0: From WNYC Studios, welcome back to Snap Judgment Live from the Paramount. When your calls, your letters, I get it. It's been far too long. The wait is over. Snap Judgment Live. Yes. Now then, I get to introduce next to the Snap Judgment stage the Queen of Snap Storytelling. Please give her some love, Ms. Joyce Lee.
1: a very sweet boy I knew in junior high. I had purposely blocked out a lot of junior high, but I remember Floyd because Floyd was the very first boy who I knew for a fact was head over heels in love with me. I could always tell where Floyd sat because I love Joyce was carved into each one of his desks. And every time I looked up, I catch him staring at me. I never knew how I felt about Floyd though. I just knew he loved me and it felt good to be loved. One time, Floyd and the class clown Gerald got into an argument in front of the entire class and Gerald blurted out, well, if you're so big and bad, why don't you tell Joyce you love her? You done carved her name on everything except your forehead. The entire class laughed and I looked at Floyd and even though I couldn't see his eyes through his thick Coke bottle glasses and through my thick Coke bottle glasses. I could see his shyness as he lowered his head and said nothing. When I got home, my mother was in the kitchen preparing dinner. I rushed to her without even taking off my backpack to tell her everything about Floyd in excitement. How Floyd loved me. How everyone knew how good it felt to be loved. How shy Floyd was when Gerald exposed him and how I saw Floyd's love and shyness as an opportunity to ask Floyd to the junior high winter formal dance. Wait, 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 wait. What you say you're going to do? Say what you're going to do again. Say what you said. I knew I said something wrong, but I had no idea what it was. Run it by me again. Say what you're going to do. I'm going to ask Floyd. You ain't going to ask no man but Jesus for nothing. (laughs) You are the gift. You stay wrapped in beauty and say nothing. You do not choose boys. Boys choose you. Do you understand? I trusted my mother's advice. I'll tell you why. My mother was always the most beautiful mother in the room. Always. When I was in sixth grade, there was this fine-ass teacher named Mr. Randall who only had eyes for my mother. Mr. Randall was the funnest, most handsomest, most sweetest teacher in all of Oakland. All my friends and their mama had a crush on Mr. Randall. But every time he saw me, he'd say, and how's your mama doing? One time, Mr. Randall asked that question on a hot day And I told him that my mother had taken the day off work. And Mr. Randall's eyes lit up and he turned to the class and he said, Lord, it's hot, who wants ice cream? The entire class cheered and Mr. Randall took us around the corner to the store by my house to buy the whole class ice cream. On the way back, he turns to me and he says, so you wanna go inside and check on your mama? I went inside and told my mother that Mr. Randall and the whole class was outside and he had bought us all ice cream. So my mother, of course, came outside and said hello to Mr. Randall. And he, of course, said hello to my mother while turning a bright red. But nothing ever happened between Mr. Randall and my mother, because even though my mother is gorgeous wrapped with an afro on top, Mr. Randall never asked her out. But James did. James was my mother's boyfriend. In the beginning, James showered my mother with compliments of her beauty. He bought her diamonds and furs and Mercedes Benzes and a house and took us all on vacation while becoming more particular about the goings and comings of my sisters and me. And his, his, his criticism started mixing more in with his compliments, but We were all very financially well-kept with James, so my mother gave him more say. And then more say, until it became a law that my sisters and I couldn't do anything or go anywhere that James didn't approve of. And with even more time, neither could my mother. James was always involved in listening to every conversation in the house, usually from another room, so he heard me telling my mother about Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, now, don't be stupid now. See, you the gift, you know. You ain't desperate and ugly like some of them friends of yours you bring around here. Now, what's that girl's name you brought around here yesterday? Now, see, she gonna have to beg a man for attention. You ain't got them type of problems. You talk too much. Men don't like that. But you're still pretty enough to choose. Men choose you. I became so excited at the idea that of all the beautiful girls at school, Someone would think I was special enough to choose me. I fantasize daily that a sweet and shy boy of my dreams who had the psychic ability to know that I had a crush on him would be so overwhelmed at the gift of my beauty and my specialness that he would make a huge scene in front of the entire school just to ask me out. You know, Nobody really ever asked me out in high school. I was this sassy, do-good, tomboy, church girl, thespian who loved the blues. So I waited. And I waited. Freshman year, nothing. Sophomore year, I had the hugest crush on my best friend, Tyler. But that joker chose everybody but me. He didn't know I was alive. By the time somebody actually did choose me, I was so happy just to be chosen, I said yes to every single guy who asked. First there was Jayden, who took me out on a romantic date, but then demanded that I buy all of his school lunches since we were together. Then there was Fred, who told me how beautiful I was in private, but how he had a whole other girlfriend he'd rather show off in public. Then there was Jace, who I really, I never saw him. He was always fighting and getting suspended. And I wanted somebody I could show off his scope. But still, they all thought I was special enough just to choose me. And this is how I dated. Man after man. Year after year. Yes after yes. Until I was around 25. I knew I was dating all the wrong guys, but I, I didn't know why until I went home to visit my mother. She hadn't been feeling well. So she and I went to the doctor to get a checkup, and, and James met us at the hospital, and he seemed concerned. But he kept going over business with my mother and things that he wanted her to do, and he kept telling and talking and telling and talking. And all of a sudden, at the ripe age of 46, my mother had a stroke. When the nurse came to tell me, I honestly thought she was mistaken until she took me just a few steps behind a a door where I saw a bunch of people in blue working vigorously on my mother. She looked so helpless. And there were tubes coming out of her from everywhere. And James. I saw James standing over her. Yeah, yeah, give me this jewelry now. Take it off and give it to me. I don't spend too much money to have the people in here stealing it. I thought I was in a nightmare until the nursery addressed me. Ma'am, we're going to keep your mother with us for a few days. How about you go home and pick her up a few things? I could literally feel the room spinning. And my legs felt like two sinking ships. I exited the room. I didn't feel my feet dragging down the hospital hallways. I didn't notice the people waiting in the waiting room. I I didn't even notice the sliding exit doors. I wouldn't have even noticed what time of day it was. Had it not been so hot. It was like the sun kind of jolted me back to more of a reality. I just took a deep breath. Dug in my purse to get the car keys, only to hear, Hey! Hey! Hey, Fickums, Hey, Fickums!" Girl, you fine. Girl, you fine as frogs here. Come over here. Let me holler at you for a minute. I was annoyed and offended and afraid, but I smiled, said thank you, got in the car, And on the drive to my mother's house and back to the hospital, everything started going through my head, every conversation, every moment, every month, every week, every year. I had so many questions and I was just trying to figure out why my mother was in the hospital bed. What landed her in that hospital bed? Why a woman so strong and resilient wouldn't tell James to shut up about the jewelry? And why? Seriously, Oakland, why? Why would that fool in the parking lot think that any woman coming fresh out of a hospital is in the mood to be catcalled? Why did I smile and say thank you? Why do women like us encourage all of this foolishness? And I just, I just started feeling completely fed up returned to the hospital in a worried march only to see James on his way out. Wait, you're not even gonna stay an hour? Oh, I got some things I need to take care of, but you know, uh, it's a good thing your mama has you here. I'll be back. I sat next to my mother, staring at her IV, making myself comfortable in the chair that was gonna be my bed for the next four days. James never returned to the hospital that day. And the beeping sound of my mother's heart monitor was the only sound in the room. And time, it didn't exist anymore. And I just sat there, staring at this amazing woman who had taught me everything she knew, who who knew me longer than anybody. And I held my mother's hand and I said, Mama, do you want to die this way? Waiting, waiting for this man to be everything you know you deserve, everything you know you've always really wanted, waiting for him to really choose you spoken to my mother like we were just two women before so I expected her to get upset and scream at me and put me in a child's place but she she just stared at the ceiling while a single tear rolled down the side of her face she didn't say a thing and I just kept thinking and adding and processing and I said the only other thing that made sense to me in that moment said, Mama, you should have let me ask Floyd to the junior high winter formal. I'm so serious, Mama. You should have asked out Mr. Randall, and you should have let me ask Floyd out. Mr. Randall's fine ass would be here. Floyd would be here with his thick Coke bottle glasses and all. And she laughed so hard, I couldn't help but to laugh with her. It took some time, but As soon as my mother healed, she, she left James. And she dated several other versions of disasters since, I can't even tell you how many disasters this woman has dated. I pay, hi, mama. Like I was saying, we all make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? I was saying we all make mistakes since, my mother has been a hero and an example to me about the power of choice, because ever since that day, I've watched you always choose yourself first.
0: Choice lead. choice leader. The amazing Joyce Lee, Snap Judgment Live. If you dug it, you can see this performance. You can see Joyce's beautiful mother for yourself right now at SnapJudgment.org. And what's more, the Snap Judgment Jen Cobra comedy special includes a secret story never before broadcast that will leave you in stitches. Experience it all right now. Snap Nation. SnapJudgment.org. Please remember... The band Bells Atlas produced and performed in real time every single piece of music you heard on this show. And yes, they have a new album out. BellsAtlas.com. They're made of magic and fire in Oakland. Big love to the beautiful Paramount Theater in downtown Oakland, California. The Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. Pat Messini-Miller engineered this show. And if Snap Live is coming to your time, remember... Please get tickets with a quickness. I can't be held responsible because someone already got your seat. I'm sure they're gonna have a great time where you're stuck at home. But if you can't be there, remember, if you need more, and of course you do need more, you can get the Snap Judgment Live Comedy Hour with an all-new secret, never-before-broadcast Jen Cobra story available right this minute at Snap Nation, SnapJudgment.org. Because even though this is not the news, this is. W-N-Y